Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I'm Donovan D'Souza from The Long Way is Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 29. We have a very special one for you this week. We are talking about the Three Capes track in Tasmania, which I've just completed with The Wife of Pi. Welcome, Karis. Thank you. So we did this as the lodge walk, but obviously there's quite a few ways you can do the Three Capes, so we'll get through those options today. So maybe before we talk about the track itself, let's talk a little bit about the history of it um, and where it sits. So basically it's one of Tasmania's six great bushwalks. It's a project that they did a, like a scoping study for and they decided that this was, was a project that had the most potential. And originally it was going to be a slightly longer walk, but now is a four-day trail that starts at Port Arthur. Yeah, so it's a bit of a misconception, the three capes, because you don't actually yeah. go to Cape Raoul, which is on the other side of the little inlet there that leads to Port Arthur. But uh, from what I've heard, they decided a four-day journey would be the better option to try and bring in tourists, because four days is obviously a lot easier to get if you work than a full six days. But yeah. it's a bit of a shame that they haven't offered the full six-day experience to those who want to do it. And especially when it's not a cheap hike to do, you're not just going to decide I'm going to do it next weekend. You need to book well in advance, even if you're just doing the self-guided tour. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe one day they'll they'll do it. Yeah, I've heard some some of the old locals who you know they they don't like the track because it's been it's it's so well made well constructed and you know they're like oh no it has to be rough and they they derogatory. You know, they sort of refer to it in a derogatory terms as the two out of three caves track. But, you know, I think it has been a huge success. Um, it's, it's definitely done wonders for the area's visitorship. Mm. And it's not like you can't get to the third cape. If you really want to, you can tack on Cape Roll as a day hike after yeah. you finish. So, yeah. Because I mean, they did build the Cape Roll and Shipstones Bluff section, like they did a day hike there to the same standard as the Three Capes. So that's a good way of, if you want to see all Three Capes, you can. Mm. And then, yeah, talking about trail construction, it was just amazing how well well constructed it was. It was, I think it took five years for them to finish it. And it's not easy terrain that they're cutting track over. And a lot of the rocks and everything are hand-placed. Mm. And there's obviously a lot of stairs going in because you're climbing up cliffs and down cliffs. And yeah, they've done a really good job. And it is at a standard that you'd be happy to pay the $550 entry fee. Yeah. So the the three capes in the the six great bushwalks of Tasmania, as, as the government like to call it, this is probably seen as the... I know that the, the idea behind this was to create something that was an, an entry-level walk that most people could do and sort of fits nicely in their suite of tracks. So it's near the more the overland end, maybe a little bit easier than the overland, prob- well, probably easier yeah, than the lot, overland. A lot easier than the overland. <laughs> um, working up to something like the South Coast track, which is their extreme sort of difficult end mm. of that. So with the track, tell us a bit about the experience, I guess, you know, starting from, from day one. How, where, so where does the track, the track starts at Port Arthur? So our day one, uh, we got to, we arrived in Hobart and we got the full dress down of what's to expect and, you know, a check through of the gear and everything. And then we got driven out to an area near Port Arthur, which was Stewart's Bay. And we had a, a private ferry take us across, I guess, the bay or the inlet mm. and over to Denman's Cove. So that being a private ferry, is that because you went with this luxury yeah so <laughs> to preface everything with we did the three capes lodge walk which is different to the three capes track that you can do so it's not too much different and we'll try and relay it as the three capes track because that's what most people will do mm. um, but, but there is quite a price difference isn't there there is so i mentioned 550 dollars. <laughs> that's for the three capes track just buying the pass and staying at the the huts that they have there and we did the lodge walk which was a little bit more expensive as we had guides and we had yeah market lodges with wine and all meals prepared for us but it was still it was the same same very similar experience and we had to carry our packs um, with our clothes and meal 
lunch for the day and water and everything. So it's not like we were having porters or Sherpas <laughs> yeah. carry everything for us. It was still, what would you say, six to nine kilos worth of gear? It was heavy for me. Yeah. <laughs> now, because Karis, you're not really a, um, a big hiker. No, definitely not. And um, my fitness wasn't at what I had hoped it would be at by the time I left because I got sick before we left. But um, it was still a bit of a challenge for someone like me. Yeah. Even though it was a walk in the park for Mark. <laughs> right. But I mean, it's not like we were there with adventure enthusiasts. Um, well, no, we were easily half the age of everyone else in our group. Yeah. So a, the, the average demographics are probably about 60 Yeah, higher. like your baby boomer retirement age. Uh, yeah. I like to joke that we were there to provide diversity to the group. Okay. Instead of rich, old white people, we were young, poor white people. <laughs> <laughs> But one of the guides did say she had a group of um, doctors come through that were in their 30s. So it's not like you're going to get, you know, a group of 60-year-olds every single time. Um, yeah. So you never know who you're going to get. Mm-hmm. But day one, yeah, so we got the the ferry over. And it was not a private ferry. I think it's one you can book um, yourself if you really want to. And the landing point for both the Lodge Walk and the Three Capes track is Denman's Cove, and it's very sheltered bay. Um, there's a beach there that has a lot of nesting birds, so they ask you to stay on the, the compact bit of the beach. But it was, it was a lovely trip over, and it's a nice way to start just kind of being dropped off like you're on Survivor, and here's your... <laughs> yeah, there was your no beach. Jeff Probst, unfortunately, but the um, I do believe that ferry was actually custom-made for the trip, and if you do the normal track walk, you do get to do a bit of a tour of the area by boat, whereas during the lodge walk, we kind of had a more direct route, which was a bit unfortunate, to be honest. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have heard that in the the standard ferry that goes around, they, they take you so that you can see Cape Raoul. So you go, aha, there's the third Cape. Yeah, you're not going to see it. <laughs> you have seen it. Yeah, And that little, there's actually a little cove near um, Cape Raoul where they have the fluorescent or the, the bioluminous, I don't know what you call them, plankton. plankton. Yeah, it was plankton that you can see at night. Oh, cool. That would have been cool to see. And if they tack on the, the six days, then I hope they add that as an experience. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, so, yeah, we landed at Denman's Cove, and day one is only six kilometres, I believe. Yeah, six kilometres. So it's not a long day, and by the time we got out, it was about lunchtime, just after lunchtime. Yeah, we had lunch not long after um, arriving. Mm. So you kind of walk along a creek line from the beach, and then that takes you to a safe point where you can enter the forest. And it's pretty much, it's dry sclerophyll forest is what they call it. It's pretty much like the the eucalypt forest we get in WA. Yeah. And there is a nice art installation at the start to take some photos with and say this is a three capes track and yeah, cool. everyone got really excited about that. Yeah, it was lovely start, but I was a bit worried because I wanted to photograph this trip for the the website and everyone was just bottled up and it was a really flat walk along the the kind of ridge along the coast. I was a bit worried I wouldn't get any photos, so I was hanging back as much as I could to try and keep the photos empty of people we spread out pretty quickly yeah and i think after because we had a lunch stop at surveyor's cove which is a little bay and it's very rocky bay and yeah lunch there and that was a nice stop for an hour and then after that it got really really not steep but it was the first hill of the day and Mm. i think that spread everyone out and i was kind of a bit more relaxed about what the pace was going to be like for the group yeah, I think it was a bit of a benefit having the older crowd because it allowed Mark to move a bit slower and take all his photos without worrying about interrupting people who would try to do it super fast. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I was towards the back of the group most of the time. <laughs> I just thought this this young whippersnapper is not up to the job, but yeah, I just wanted to enjoy it at my own pace. Yeah. So this would have been your first day of hiking in Tasmania? Yes. Yeah, and how did you feel? Um. I don't know, it was just, it didn't feel like Tasmania because Tasmania to me is, it's the temperate rainforest and the mountain peaks and everything. And having read your blog, seeing all of those pictures from the overland and the walls of Jerusalem, this was very, very different walking. It's coastal Mm. walking, it's through dry forest. Um, Yeah, it was just a little bit different to the Tasmania I've been expecting, but it got a lot better as the, the days went on. Awesome. Yeah, so from Surveyor's Cove, went up the hill and, I mean, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a so-so day in terms of um, what you'd expect. It's designed to ease you into the walk, I think, and the days do get progressively harder. Yeah. Mm. So it's a bit of a 
and ease into it. Yeah, and one thing that I did enjoy was the wildflowers, which I wasn't expecting a lot of in Tasmania. I'm not sure why, but there was a good, being spring, there was a good variety. And yeah, there's lots of dogwood around and yellow peas and... It was nice walking. Mm. Speaking of dog, I think we should probably mention to listeners that the way the sort of you hear yeah. in the background is our extra special guest, Sadie, who happens to be here as well. <laughs> yeah, so Donovan and Alyssa kindly looked after our two dogs while we were away, and we thought we'd bring them over for a little bit of a hello and a, a thank you. Yeah. So if you do hear whining, it is Sadie being a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, day one, not very long, and... It's not very far until you reach Surveyor's Hut, which is the public hut. Mm. And, I mean, I'd heard how good the quality of them were, but to actually see them in person, you're like, wow. And it's like, that's not even the one we're staying at. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of a weird moment because you could see the hut and they're all it's kind of four or five buildings and there's decking everywhere and you're walking a lot of boardwalk in Tasmania so you kind of yeah you can see it stretched out along the boardwalk and they have a nice view over it would be looking towards Cape Rail but you, I don't think you can see it from this hut and it's kind of weird walking past and everyone's staring at you they're like oh there's the rich people judging <laughs> <laughs> judging yeah but it's not like the, I mean these are all Compared to other huts anywhere in Australia, these are probably luxury huts. Yeah, so these are brand new, pretty much, huts. And I think we didn't get to look inside because we didn't want to be too rude, but I think all the sleeping mats are there, so you don't have to carry any of that. Mm. There's a ranger on site. You've got kitchens, toilets. I mean, they're really well kitted out, and even like the recreational areas are quite well done. They've got deck chairs and looking over the view, it's... It's really luxury, and I, yeah, I'd say I'd be happy to pay the five fifty to do mm. this in the future. Yeah, it takes out any doubt going. Oh, you know, for, especially for unseasoned hikers, thinking five fifty, it's a lot. But when you see the facilities that they've built and think, wow, this is a you know government built facility. This is amazing. Yeah, and it really validates the price that you're paying. Because mm. I think that's the thing that you with this particular hike is that you can either see it as a very expensive public hut walk, or a very very cheap. Um, luxury walk because the facilities are, are you know heading towards the standard of luxury while not being extremely expensive so that I think makes it quite attractive to a lot of people who maybe as you say are, are not experienced hikers and think wow that's a lot of money but you're getting you know you're, you're getting quality for it yeah definitely and then you have to also consider that um, unlike you know the long drops that we have on the tracks here all the um, waste is actually flown in and out by helicopter. Mm. So that adds a lot to the, the cost of running the track as well. Yeah. That's something that I really like about Tasmania is that you, because they, they chop everything out, you don't see roads in... And was that the case with the Three Caves? You don't see many roads? I don't think we saw any. No, there's no roads on the actual peninsula. And, I mean, you've got not that many tracks either. Mm. I think there was one point where I could see a track and I was like, oh, where does that go? And you kind of, once you look at the map, you realise it doesn't really go anywhere. Yep. So it is, it's wilderness and the cost of everything keeps it as a wilderness experience, which I enjoy. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Um, and so Surveyor's Hut, which is, or Cove, which is where we stayed, it's a little further on from the, the public hut and... It's kind of a weird thing where the guide stands on the track and then points you off into the bush. There's no signs to say, lodge this way. It kind of felt a bit naughty. That It's very <laughs> secretive. It's very, you know, this is only for, for the special people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a secret little track and it is very purposely hidden, I think, to keep it private. Um, and likewise, I think the lodges, part of the, the deal I think they had, the company has with the government, they had to make sure that the lodges were well hidden as well, not only for their privacy, but to sort of um, protect the environmental aspect of everything and make other people not see, oh, there's a hotel over there. Yeah. Mm. And it's not like it was a hotel. It was similar style of construction to the public hut. It's just that it was maybe a little better kitted out. So yeah, was... and more architecture, I think, was involved in the design as, of it as well, where you're sort of, it's built on the side of a cliff, so you really do feel more immersed, I think. Mm. And there was like a, a one, the main building, which is your kitchen lounge area, and that had glass windows that could open up, which was handy on the first day because it was a bit warm. 
And then there was a separate little kind of, I don't know, describe it as like a little bunker hideaway. A lounge pod, I think they yeah, referred to it as. a pod um, looking over towards Cape Roll. Yeah, mm. that had the best view, I think, of, of mm. the two. Yeah, and, you know, the guides, we had three guides on the trip and they all did their job and we got dinner that night, which was a tagine, I remember. Yeah, yeah we had a tagine. tagine. And, yeah, you've got a selection of Tasmanian wines and beers and very pleasant. And these amazing biscuits that they have custom made and you cannot buy them anywhere and it's very upsetting. <laughs> Karis's favourite part of the trip was these biscuits. They just You had them to look forward to every tea break and every, you know, when you go back to the lodge, they were there and they're amazing. Mm-hmm. And so the, the rooms are actually, because I'm looking here at the website and the rooms look like they're actually proper beds and proper... Yeah, so there's, because it, you never know what you're going to get with the, the guests that are staying, so there's two single beds which are quite large and then they also can be combined into, it felt like a king-size bed. Yeah, I think it does work out to a king. Yeah, I didn't get a knee in the back during the <laughs> night, so it must have been king-size. <laughs> yeah. But the, I mean, they're not very large rooms. No, they're very small, but um, at, at the entry as you go into the rooms, they've been set up with their inbuilt shelving to hold your pack in your shoes so it's very custom designed to suit the purpose of why you're there yeah i just have to read what the how the website sells the accommodation because it's just great <laughs> true shelter something that gives protection and refuge simple and sustainable clean and comfortable <laughs> <laughs> and that's essentially what they were i mean you didn't really feel like you're on a hike and a couple of the times during the morning I woke up and I was like no idea where I was and I was like oh I'm on the three k's <laughs> <laughs> they are very nice and then the um like the toilet shower block is they're all long drop kind of into pods that get flown out but the first night there was a an experimental shower and you were you I didn't I, use it but you did use I it. I did. I think so they had two of the regular mist showers to help reduce how much water you use. And then the third shower I believe was somewhat recycled. Yeah. Um and it involved a sensor that you had to put your hand over in certain formations and then it would refill and then you kind of had to figure out how to work it magically without any instructions. Um but it was an experience in itself. Yeah. It was nice to have a shower. And the misting showers you think, Oh no, they're not gonna be that great, but there's Pretty much the same as just having a normal shower. Yeah, and we would um, encourage not to use any of our own products because they want to keep it as um, low impact as possible. So we just had a, a very um, ecological soap that we were provided and that's what we had to use for everything. You know, they did, you'd bring your own shampoos and soaps so that you weren't polluting anything with what was going down the drain. So that's really good because I think sometimes even those eco-wash soaps are not correct. <laughs> they don't really actually do the job. and. Yeah. Yeah, so that's good that they've you know, got the environmental management side. Yeah, they're of it. very, very big on making sure you know, the leave no trace philosophy. Okay, so moving on from there to day two. So this is one of the days where it's a bit more substantial. Um, not really. No, <laughs> not. <laughs> it's kind of a weird trek. Is if you start off really, really, I suppose it's okay in a way, but you start off really, really short, and it was six k's, and then this is only ten and a half k's. And then, yeah, day three and four are quite longer. So you kind of ease yourself into it. Um, But it's still a very enjoyable day. And from where we were staying at Surveyor's Cove, you could actually see the first peak of the day, which was Arthur's Peak. Which was substantial for me. (laughs) Yes, it was the first kind of challenge that you had on the hike. And it was an introduction as well to some of the alpine plants that you would see in Tassie. Oh, cool. Even though it's not really too far up. It's it's about 320 metres above sea level. Yeah. But when you're saying that you're starting quite low, would that be the case? Yeah, I think we were maybe 100 metres above sea level. It wasn't a terribly difficult ascent. I mean, it's not like, you know, Bluff Knoll or anything. Mm. But it was still quite challenging and a good kind of way to get the blood working and yeah. flowing after a yeah a lovely night at the lodge so it's open grassland to start with and button grass a little bit of button grass and well protected as you're on the boardwalk and unfortunately you didn't get to see any wombats or wildlife although we forgot to mention we saw a bennett's wallaby near the the, the public hut on day one that kind of stayed still and let everyone photograph it yeah apparently there's a joy but we didn't get to see it but it was quite tame Mm. or unscared yeah Mm. so once you pass through the open plains 
yeah, it's straight into the forest again and we were warned that there was a lot of steps and I started off counting them just to have a little fun with Karis. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's an easy-ish hike up the hill and it gets you closer to the coast. So where we stopped for morning tea, I don't think was the height of Arthur's Peak, but it was a little viewpoint um, looking back over one of the cliffs mm-hmm. and that was quite spectacular. Mm, it was That was a good part about day two as we sort of got into those sort of cliff you know, walking on the tops of those cliffs and like once we reached Arthur's Peak, we could look back on it and see, you know, what we just done. It was really cool to see that and see the peak rising above all the, the smashing waves and things. Mm. Did this have any, because I'm, I'm guessing that being a peak that there may be some seats or something, did they have any of those like fancy benches? Uh, there's at a, this area? Oh, I can't actually remember on Arthur's Peak, but there are a lot of like public art installations along the way and everything kind of has a name and a story. And it's very quite interesting. It keeps you engaged with um, the landscape. And every now and then, if you ask the guides, what does this mean? They'll be able to tell you. And I think on this section leading up towards Arthur's Peak was kind of a reference to getting into the alpine section. And this is where we saw your favorite plant, the cheeseberry. The cheeseberry. It's just kind of like a purple berry. And it was quite reminiscent of what Karis looked like that day because it was a bit overcast and drizzly. So she had her... A purple rain jacket yeah, purple on. purple rain jacket that <laughs> yep. she borrowed. And if she zipped it all up and put the hood on, she looked like a little cheeseberry. <laughs> they were very cool, very um, bright purple to magenta. Mm. Are they edible? I'm not sure. We tried to find cheeseberry... Gourmet dishes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we couldn't find any. Um, well, another thing to note about the track is that when you're doing it as a public walker, you get this amazing guidebook that's actually um, put out by um, their wildness Tassie government. Parks. Yeah, Tassie Parks. And it actually has lots of really great images of all the wildlife and the flowers and things that you see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really well made. Unfortunately, we didn't get to get that. Uh, which was a little bit disappointing. One of our guides had a copy, but um, it, it was really great for, for the public walkers to be able to reference what they see on the track. Mm-hmm. So we paid a little bit more and we got less. <laughs> <laughs> in in that regard. In that regard, yeah. yeah. Um, and also one of the really interesting plants was the pineapple candle heath, which was, and it's I think it's referred to as like a dragon plant, but it's like this cool spiky, kind of almost banksherous type Yeah, plant. like if a... If a bank shear and a dragon fruit had a baby that yeah. was really big and brightly coloured. Yeah, that's what it looked that like. That sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. And we kind of did feel like in an alpine region a little bit because you're walking up through cloud forests, as they call it, and, yeah, it was a little bit misty, a little bit rainy. We were there on very um, ideal temperatures, though, I think. Like, it wasn't too windy, it wasn't too rainy, it was quite um, mild for tas- typical Tasmania weather, so... Unfortunately, in that aspect, we didn't get too many clouds in our cloud forest. Mm. Um, but I think most people would, would get to experience that on their days there. Mm. And then walking down from Arthur's Peak, it's kind of a, an easiest descent. Um, a lot of it is on boardwalk instead of stairs, and that made it a lot easier. And the wildflowers on this side of Arthur's Peak were a lot more prevalent and, yeah, a lot easier to spot as well because you're on the boardwalk a little bit raised and you can just look down um, at each little section. And then it opens up quite a bit and you get a lot more coastal views. Um, But there was a little bench. It was actually quite a big bench and it was like a big leaf or a sail. Something like that. And it was really open. You could look back towards Arthur's Peak and then also on to where you're going to go for the rest of the day. Yeah. I saw a few of those benches on the Cape Raoul track and I think that there's a certain amount of interpretation that they accept. <laughs> you know, so it can it can be a sail, it can be a leaf. Yeah. yeah, I think those are all stipulated on that little um guidebook that you get. They've all got a name and I think for the public walkers it gives you a, a bit of a checkpoint to go, Oh, I've passed um one one of them on one of the days was called Sex on the Cape and Yeah. Some of them have like really interesting names, which was a reference to how um one of the plants actually reproduces, <laughs> right. um, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, on, on the little map that the public walkers get that has all of those, so you can like all go, oh, we're coming up to this one, or it's it's kind of a good little thing to look forward to, that little art installation or seat and see what, what they've tried to do with this one. Because mm. I think Tassie has a, a policy where they have to have public art because when it, with any new building or any construction, so... Um, and the, it's a nice thing you can see there. There's this, you know, a really strong support for the arts in Tasmania, mm. and it's good that they they have this stuff on the track. 
And it's good to link back to, like, to draw you out of just it's a nature hike. Here's something that someone's created and, you know, get a little bit of a pause and food for thought, as mm. they say. And yeah. Be- and because of the remoteness, you don't have the issue of graffiti like you often do on tracks here. Mm. Yeah. Indeed. So from there, kind of back into the forest, and it is very dry forest um, here compared to normal Tassie forest. And this is when the sun came out, because I remember we had to stop, and we were already at the back of the group um, to put sunscreen on. (laughs) But that did not last very, very long. And then we had lunch, which was in kind of a little bit of a wetter area. You don't remember having lunch? I don't remember having lunch. Um, I think this is where you had to use the... uh, the off-track facilities, as oh, they say. And yes. you were quite nervous about doing that. Well, the problem was <laughs> the area that we had stopped, it was very thick scrub. And the original day they said that we should try to go 100 metres off the track, which I don't know how that's possible. Um, and you could barely get two metres off the track because it was just so thick. So it was something that you'd try to avoid at all costs. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but I survived. But, yeah. And the area was kind of, it was a lot more paper barky um, in appearance and very, not swampy, but it kind of felt that way, leading towards the four ways junction. So it's not a perfect circuit, the three capes. So this is where, it's a, as it says, four junction or four tracks meet. So you've got the old Cape Pillar track, which you can walk um, in either direction. And that's also a good public access track. And then the way that we had just come which is only one way from Denman's Cove and then there's the Cape Pillar track which takes you out to Cape Pillar and then the Three Capes track which we'll experience on day four takes you kind of towards the third Cape which was Cape Hoy. So yeah as I said four junctions and we're going down to Cape Pillar and yeah again it was, we got through wetter forest which I quite enjoyed because this is what I've been looking forward to in Tassie is seeing mm. the big stringy barks and kind of a bit more of a lush kind of feel to the forest and there's more public art which was really cool and then the the final destination for the day is Munro Hut and the public this is probably one of the better public huts and it's right on the Munro Bight, and there is a little boardwalk um, leading out towards views over the bite, and I'd say probably better views than what we got in our lodge. Yeah, this one, it was really spectacular. Like, you really felt like it could have been our lodge that we were arriving to. It was just, just as good. Mm. And we actually had to walk through this hut to get to the, the track that led down to ours. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of cool, and they had interpretive signage there, so... You started at one point in front of one of the buildings and you kept walking along the pathway and at each interval it gave you the length of each animal. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got seals and sharks and everything and then the blue whale was, what, 30 or 40 metres down the path and you could look back and say, the big animal. Yeah, we saw um, some, not native, but some kookaburras that were there and um, the next day when we came back through, the ranger was there and said that they had a bunch of um, nesting blue fairy wrens or splitted reds as they call them over there um right next to the hut so you can really experience the wildlife while you're there mm. I mean, it just looked like a cool area to stay and there's lots of room everywhere to roam around and mm. yeah. yeah and also like areas where you could come together and chat with other walkers you know sort of those communal um kitchens and little um rest areas where everyone could have a chat at the end of their day that was really nice mm. did you get to chat with any of the the, the, the plebs. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but yes. Uh, and we're just being facetious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually think that way. We were on the on that day though. We were. Um, I think everyone was pretty keen to get back to the accommodation. But um, on the next day when we followed through, we stopped and chatted to the ranger about a few things. Okay. So, yeah. Because yeah. um, I remember on the overland, we had a few of the uh, the luxury hut people come mm. to see how the other half live. And yeah. <laughs> it was it was it was cool. You know, they, and they were really interested to have a look at the huts and you mm. know see what the facility. Like. I mean, if we weren't all wearing the same packs and <laughs> obviously had guides with us, I mean, we could have been anyone. I think the size of our pack would be a bit suspicious. People go, oh, gee, they're not very well prepared. <laughs> no, not really. Like, they were big. They were 50 litre packs and having no sleeping mat to carry, you really only need to, to carry food and sleeping bag. But then our poor guides with their gigantic packs holding things like the... um. First aid kits and yeah, extra supplies and that the, they had to the bring. Stoves and everything, yeah. Mm. So the the lodge is actually a little further down, 
and it's a bit of a weird one and I think on day three especially um, one of the ladies was coming back to the lodge and she missed the turn off because it's really hard to see unless you know where it is so mm. kind of the gatekeepers again stood on the track and pointed us up and it was a fair hike up the hill it was it was a very um it was a zigzag so it was a bit of an ascent when you've had a, you know for some of us a long day um <laughs> so that was probably one of the more that was the most punishing part of the day i think was going up this zigzag to go up this hill where the lodge was tucked away again yeah because you know it's like at the top of the hill and there's these switchbacks and you're just like is this the last one this one? <laughs> you can't see the lodge because it's so well hidden so you don't know how long you've got to go until yeah. you finally see that the lights start to appear and it's like ah. Oh. <laughs> but then finally get there and it's laid out a very similar style in fact it's exactly the same just positioned differently so the buildings are the same but this one has an extra building for the spa treatments that you can get <laughs> and there was an extra lady there who had baked us a really nice cake for that day it was amazing yeah and she does all the spa treatments which you can book which i think are like 90 dollars or so for half an hour mm. so that if you're really stressed out from this extremely challenging walk yep, you, you can, can uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's about four or five treatments you can select from yeah I didn't partake this time, but maybe another trip. <laughs> no, there was a few people that did mm. it, but it just kind of, I don't know, I think nature is relaxing enough that you don't need a back massage at the end of a day, especially when you're only carrying you know, seven or eight kilos on your back. Yeah, and I think um, the lady who was doing the spa treatments and also helped out with some of the other things, as everyone, all the guides are sort of multi-use, um, multi-skilled, but she actually, unlike the other guides who sort of come with us um, and follow the same trail we do, she stays there, I think, for nine days at a time. Yeah. Um, so there's many days where she's between people. She's just enjoying this luxury accommodation by herself and getting paid. So why not? That's awesome. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. What did we have for dinner that night? It was a sweet potato something. Was that the pie? Yes, it was. The sweet potato and leek Yeah, pie. so just to preface, we had a pescatarian food option. So everyone else um, had, I think, lamb pies mm. and we had a mushroomy pumpkin-y pie, which yeah. is delicious. And I think the views from the main lounge area weren't as great because you had trees blocking the way, but the separate little pod, which was a lot bigger this time, was quite a lot nicer and you had... If you could figure out how to get into, inside it. Yeah, because it was just basically a giant wooden... Uh, no, en not entranceway, but just kind of wall and you had to grab onto it and just push it apart. Yeah, find, find the secret sliding door, which, yeah. was, which was cool once, but you know, it was a bit daunting at first. You're like, oh, I don't want to mm. be the person who's trying to open it the wrong way and everyone thinks I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing that kept happening is they have dinner at sunset, which is great because everyone can be like, oh, look at the great colours as you're inside. But I really wanted to photograph it. So <laughs> both nights I was kind of excusing myself halfway through dinner and like rushing off to little pods to take photos. It was uh, I wasn't being rude because everyone kind of gave me permission, but it was just a bit funny that they kept scheduling dinner for something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, so moving on to day three. Now, I think you said to me day three is an optional day. It is an optional day. <laughs> Why you would stay at the lodge for the whole day is beyond me. It just we... seems like a waste of money and yeah. time Like while you're there. I mean, I guess if you wanted to have a big rest, you could just do it and just look out and enjoy the views. But I mean... There's no like sidewalks that you can yeah. do. Um, and because you kind of have to have the guides there to point you in the right direction. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. And the spa treatments, there's only four or five of them that are half an hour each. So it's not like you can do a half-day spa while everyone's gone. It's a bit weird. But we did have one guy stay back. He, well, he turned back. Unfortunately, yeah. he had some um, injuries that sort of flared up. So he um, chose to stay back at the lodge and have some relaxation. Mm. So day three was the Munro Hut to Cape Pillar, which is the first actual cape you had to see on the, on the three capes. <laughs> on day three. On day three. <laughs> Um, so this involved a lot of cliff walking and some really, really spectacular views um, out towards Tasman Island and the lighthouse there. And at 14Ks was, yeah, the longest day so far. And it was an out and back. So you kind of, there was no real rush to get out there. And then it was kind of a leisurely walk back as well. Yeah, and it also means if you, if you know, it is too much for you, you can turn back and sort of go back when you've sort of reached your limit, which is also good for people who might need, need to do that. Mm hmm but the best scenery is at the end, so it is worth yes. going all the way to the end. And it doesn't really start out kind of thinking this is like the wow day because you're kind of walking through a little bit of dry forest and then there's that really long boardwalk section 
and this is where the names of everything gets really kind of funky. Is um, that one with the snake? Oh yeah, I did. I saw a nope rope <laughs> <laughs> as we were walking up. Um, I think it was a tiger snake. Yeah, tiger yeah. snake. And it was. I was looking at something else, and then I saw this slithering black mass, and it just kind of wandered off at its own pace into the bush and I think you saw it as well mm, just as it disappeared yeah but no one else did and same with the second one that we saw on the way back but yeah kind of near Corruption Gully that's where I'm thinking of there's this really long boardwalk section and you're on kind of a she-oak hill and that's where sex and the cape comes from because the she-oaks there's the male and the females and the male I want to say has these kind of points going up and you thought that it looked like a whole lot of dildos. <laughs> yeah. well, I personally did. I thought the sex on the cake was more reference about reproduction aspect yeah. of it. Yeah, the, uh, the public art aspect. <laughs> quite funny. Um, but yeah, the guides were there and I'm sure if you had the book it told you exactly what was going on with that, that yes. piece. Got to trust the Tasmanians to be risque with their art. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of just, it winds its way along and then the first real kind of wow cliff came and you didn't really want to get too far or too close well, to there's, it there's just no protection i guess which i guess is part of the appeal you know it's literally you're standing on a cliff face and one wrong step and you're gone mm. um and on really windy days it would definitely be very dangerous um there was hardly any wind we were very lucky with the time that we went but it it's it's a little bit daunting mm. um but even one of our guides says that you know one time she'd laid on her belly and she'd crawled forward right to the edge so she could look over and it was amazing and she said you know, if you want to do that you could do that too but no not for me. Mm. And I was just like, Mark, don't get too close. Yeah, this was, this was the day where that was the phrase. It was, don't get too close. What are you doing? Come back, come back. Um, but yeah, it was really cool because it's just like a giant chasm and you're looking mm. down, I don't know, 100, 150 metres straight down to the ocean. Mm. And it's that classic Tasmanian dolerite with the pillars. and Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, very, very different landscapes that we get in WA. Although it was quite similar to the gap area around Albany, I thought, because I remember going there on a year seven camp and we had the same thing where you would crawl out on your belly and someone would have your ankles and you look down and yeah, it was really cool. But obviously this is that on steroids. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. And then moving on from there, this is where it kind of gets really, really cool because you're walking on these like hand cut paths on the cliffs and every now and then you'll get like a different view and you'll see another cliff or a little island and all throughout we just kept looking out looking for whales because it was about that time of the year where you might get a few stragglers yeah and there's again lots of little spots that you can stop and there's some seats and public art and it's just a really really cool day and we had probably the most perfect day for it there was no wind it was sunny there was a few clouds in the sky and you could hear what was going on a hundred odd meters below yeah the crashing of the waves and it, it was really great in that you were sort of you'd be wandering through this forest and then there'd be these little um openings out to the cliffs where you could have these amazing views so in a way it kind of kept it hidden and then you get that wow moment which was really really cool um particularly looking over the island with the um, lighthouse. Yeah, Tasman Island. Tasman Island, yeah. Which has had some quite sad stories attached to it to do with the lighthouse keeper's daughter. and. Yeah, so way back when you basically had to have all your supplies for six months and there's no way of contacting the outside world and if anything went wrong, that's it. And what did one of the guys... They, ha they said that because of um, the risk of infection, if you committed oh, to going right. out there, they ripped out your teeth so that you didn't get dental um, issues. So that was, yeah, if you committed to living on there for six months, you had to commit to no teeth the rest of your life. But they gave you replacement. <laughs> that <laughs> does not sound like a good deal. No. Like, not yeah. even for high pay, which it wouldn't be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, the, and the story of the lighthouse keeper's daughter, which was the name of one of the um, seats that we came across um, in one of these beautiful openings, was um, basically that the daughter got very, very sick and he did try to communicate with Pigeon. Um, but unfortunately, he didn't hear back. And then by the time someone did respond, it was too late. And she unfortunately passed away once she got back to the mainland. Mm. So some interesting stories as you're going along. And it didn't really put a dampener on the day, but it grounded you into what life would have been like. Yeah, living so remotely. Yeah. And especially because the island, like, when you're looking at it, it's so high from sea level. It really is just rocking in this little plateau on the top. It, it does look very magical, but reminds you that, you know, there's a price to pay. Mm. Mm. And we were there on, as I said, a really quiet day. So you could imagine if the winds were up or there was a storm, it would be 
quite a, an experience being out there. Yeah, definitely. One of the spots that we found was I just felt you had that moment where you stood there and you kind of felt a bit more connected and there was another couple um, doing the, the public walk who'd stopped there for their morning tea. I thought, oh, we'll come back here on the way back. And when we came back, we just sat and had some moments of reflection and just sort of you know, didn't speak and just absorbed the sound of the ocean and where we were. And it was a really beautiful um, yeah, moment of, of meditation and reflection. So, yeah, the end of the actual walk, um, there's a couple of options that you can do and there's a little bit of a meeting point. So one is called the Blade, which we waited until we were coming back to do, but a few of, we were at the back of the group and a few of the guys up the front decided they would rush on and, and it was a bit difficult for the guys to keep everyone together. But we had lunch um, at one of the lookouts and you got a good view looking out over Tasman Island and you could see the Blade as well, which is like a 45 degree dollarite just cliff yeah, it's like, the postcard moment of the uh, of the three capes track i think uh, that's right. what you see with all the drone footage a lot is the the footage of, of the blade jutting out of the water yeah and then there is another it's the chasm lookout which you kind of go to from lunch and that was really cool because like you there was one point where there was a bench and i was just like oh what's that little bit just off track and it just leads to this little ledge and then just straight down <laughs> you were like i was like come over here and look at this and you were like oh, no. and then you eventually came over <laughs> yeah and, not too close yeah it was really cool and then the actual lookout just looks back towards the blade and tasman island again more great views and mm. yeah just a cool spot to be yes and out on the blade um no, that was the so does everyone want to do this and i can't remember if everyone i don't think everyone did go no, to the top one of the one lady stayed at the junction oh yes yeah, she did but um, you know, at, at the top, you are very much just perching on a rock and you have to crawl your way up, up to that to get that peak peak spot. And so that was a, a little you, bit scary. You crawled all the way up. I may have crawled on certain parts and then realised... <laughs> it, it was the realisation that I would be fine going up, but coming down when I'm actually looking down, mm, that's mm. the daunting part. The climbing up's not so bad, but yeah. I made it in the end. I mean, it's, it's perfectly safe. It's maybe four or five metres wide for most of it, and there is a trail cut up. But in the, the wet, I think it would be quite dangerous. Mm. Um, but it doesn't... They've not overly done it. They've not got, like, railings everywhere. No. It's, it's quite wild still. Yeah, so when you get to the top, there's kind of... With the dollarite columns, there's all these... Mm, Sorry, there's all these cracks and fissures and everything. So what you may think is a safe step is not really. And I kind of, <laughs> I went to the edge of where I thought I could go. And then you look down into some of them, you're like, well, that's probably, I don't know, a 20 meter drop. And I don't know if that then falls over into the ocean. And it's, mm. they always advise stay two meters away from the cliff, just in case there is a breakage or a slippage or whatever. Yeah. But there are quite a few places on there that it's just breathtaking looking down um, yeah, towards the, the cliffs and the ocean and the waves breaking. It's, yeah, it's worth the, the trip going up there. Definitely. And mm. some of those, um, the dolomite bits that jut out from the... Um, dollarite. Dollarite, sorry. <laughs> We're not calling Think, bankers. Thinking back to my, my childhood. Um, the dolorite, um bits that jut out. Um, one of our guides was telling us that you know, some of them where they're all different sizes that the Navy used to actually use them for target practice and that's uh, why some of them what? are so differently that shaped. Was, that was Cape Royal. So Cape Royal kind of, it's not like the other capes where they all rise up. It's like a little... Yeah, it's jagged. ...juts down and yeah. all jagged and that's, yeah, it's because they used to use it for... They used to shoot it. This is like the 1800s or the... Yeah, going fairly yeah. back. Oh, okay. For their cannon practice, but yeah. But doesn't it just horrify you? <laughs> What great environmental values. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then it's, um, yeah, back the way you came for day three, which is still pretty cool. Like, you get to see it from a different perspective. And as you mm. said, we stopped at another spot where we couldn't before and sat there and reflected. And, and because, um, for being on a guided tour, because the guides, obviously, um, they were more relaxed about us spreading out because we knew where we were going, essentially, on, on the second day of the of being um, at that lodge. So mm. um, we could do everything at our own pace and relax a bit more and really slow down and Mark could get those shots that he wanted. Mm. Yeah. So this was, I mean, this was a big jump up in kilometres for, for you guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but you... But it was it worth the, you know, obviously it would be a bit more difficult, but was it worth the effort? Oh, definitely. And I, I'd already said to myself, you know, I'm not going to come all this way and, and not, you know, get those cliff shots. I mean, that's the money shot, isn't it? You want to you wanna go up there and feel it and feel on top of the world or on the edge of the world in Tassie. Um, and it was just magical, yeah. I was glad that I um, 
I pushed through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having the first couple of days, you kind of realise it helps you know what your limits are as well. So you're like, you know, oh, I can do this. I can make it to the next step. And knowing that there was something delicious waiting for me in a warm shower and everything back at the camp helped a bit too. Yeah. And I mean, you're only doing 14 kilometres in the day. There was no need to rush. Um, like you could probably easily do this in three hours if you wanted to, but that's not why you're out there. And we took like six and a half hours um, including lunch to do the 14Ks. So it's you're taking your time and you're relaxing and taking photos. And I think we had a few in our group who just wanted to power on and I just didn't understand that mentality. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a few people who they were seasoned walkers and I think for them and maybe it's, you know, to do with their age group, they're really interested in the achievement, I guess, of doing the walk. But what we could think was, oh, I can stop and, in, and enjoy the ride. I think they were more interested in in just in achieving it and maybe a few of them had done um like bay of fires and some of the other tasmania walks so they probably weren't as wowed as we we were for the first time doing these things Hmm. i don't know those cliffs look amazing (laughs) (laughs) they really are they are um yeah so for us it was back to cape monroe lodge so we had two nights in the same lodge but for the public walkers you then go on just past the the four ways junction to redakuna hut that's the way you pronounce it and then we saw that on our fourth day but that was a really cool hut as well that you could stay at so what do we have on night three i can't remember we had curry we had that's right we had curry tofu curry we did and every night we did have um a a beautiful dessert as well so So, yeah we were well catered this is what we were paying for (laughs) yes yes that and the wine yes yeah um so yeah day four which funny enough is the longest day which is weird when you think about it because we have to be picked up and transported back to Hobart and including the side trip to Cape High, it's 18, no, 17 kilometres and there is a mountain at the start of the day um, that you do have to get up, which was Mount Fortescue. And that had all the steps, I think, didn't it? And a lot of steps. So, yeah, again, backtrack past the, the public hut at Munro and then to the Four Ways Junction and then you take a right and then that takes you to... Redakuna Hut, which we enjoyed quite a lot. I mean, we didn't get to stay there quite a a long time, but it looked quite nice, and it was on the edge of an open plain looking towards Mount Fortescue, so it was, yeah, well-positioned, and imagining sunset there would be quite nice. Yeah, this was kind of the day where things got away from... Not not away from the guides a bit, but the group was being a bit difficult with pace. Yeah, I think it was sort of, you know, we wanted to... We felt a bit rushed, I think, was another part of the problem because we wanted to sort of go at the pace that we had been used to over the, the past few days, but we did have a, you know, a deadline to meet as such yeah. um, to get back at a certain time. So we found that, you know, once we did reach the end, we didn't have any time to enjoy the finish. We um, had to sort of get, get straight on the bus and back to Hobart, mm. or back to the lavender farm. Yeah, but um, yeah, Mount Fortescue, you tackled that very well. I was quite surprised you powered up there. I survived. Survived. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a lot of the steps are made of the dollarite as well. So you've either got the duckwood um, or the dollarite. Duckboard. 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 <laughs> you can tell I'm not the seasoned tiger here. Yeah. Um, but Mount Fortescue introduces you to the temperate rainforest, which I was really looking forward to and honestly didn't expect from this hike either. Yes. Um, this is what I'd made me think that I'd been to Tasmania before because I have family there and I visited um, Tahoon. Um, which is a beautiful little privately run, sort of like Valley of the Giants we have here, but their version. And it's very magical and has that that moss and you feel like a fairy could come out any minute and that sort of thing. And when we talked about going to Tasmania, I thought that's what Mark needs to see. And this was the day where he got to see that side of Tasmania, the fairies and the Lord of the Rings style Mm. a bit. (laughs) And it was beautiful. And like walking up one side of the mountain, I was talking to the guide and I was like, is it like this on the other side? And she's like, no, it kind of... Like that's the the leeward side it doesn't really get much rain, and then you up Mount Fortescue, and then you go back down. I thought it was actually better going down than it was going up in terms of like you get the giant ferns and the moss, and it was quite yeah, as you say, magical. Yeah, and the big tree ferns, and um, just you know seeing the ferns when they're all these giant ferns and they're all still curled up, their fronds, and mm. it just yeah, it was really um amazing to see. Mm. So we kind of dawdled in that section we did that was where we uh, was our sort of um our bringing down of the day was that we took a bit too long in those areas but you know we're only out there once yeah i think i have way too many photos (laughs) from that section (laughs) i have to whittle down and then it was kind of like it was forest walking up until there was 
our lunch spot where everyone was waiting and you know you got some views out towards Cape Hoy and yeah there's another little cliff section which was quite cool to kind of drop out of the forest and then be presented with southern ocean and yeah giant dolerite cliffs and at the lunch spot when we all sort of caught up um there was like a bit of a weird hook display uh installation there as well um and then um some people peeled off to go do the, the second cape yeah so everyone had been waiting there for maybe i don't know maybe half an hour and some had decided to have lunch and it was basically this is the time where if you want to do the cape hoy side trip you have to make the decision i think at that point you were not going at the best and you probably thought you couldn't make it in time yeah i was very conscious of the time um frame that i you know i feel like if i if i'd had more time i would have been able to do it but knowing that we had to be back by a certain deadline i didn't want to sort of risk it and then you know be, be holding anyone back so i made the decision to not do the side trip um in the effort to sort of in a way also preserve the rest of the day so the rest of it i could take it at my own pace do it quite slowly um and not feel the rush so yeah i was disappointed that i didn't reach that the second the second cape and there was another um person on our trip who had a, unfortunately got a foot injury but she was like oh, i'll just start doing it then at least i can say I've, i stepped on the cape even if i didn't make it to the top <laughs> she could say she reached it so um yeah there were there are a few of us who didn't didn't make it up um on the last day because we'd sort of reached our limits i think with the with the past few days mm. but i did i shoveled down my lunch and <laughs> went off onto the group and there's a spot where you can drop your pack so it's just you got your water bottle and that's it so it makes it a lot easier and it is quite spectacular because there are a lot of steps to get down you go down into a little valley and then back up again and then down and then back up so it's a pretty arduous trek and i think my calves were burning quite a lot after that because i thought i'd spent a few days going at a slower pace and i didn't want to hold up the group so i basically powered on as quickly <laughs> as i could well, did my uncle and aunt kept up with you didn't they uh, no, I kind of burnt them off on oh, the first gee. first downhill section, which I think they were happy um, just to go at their own pace as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's so stunning out there and you are a lot closer at points to the cliff and there's a giant sinkhole, which they don't actually tell you about unless you have the map or the guide. But you're kind of looking at it and you're like, oh, yeah, that must go down into the ocean, but I don't think it does. Um, but, yeah, it's really cool. And then the actual finishing point at Cape Hoy is a safety barrier you'll love that Don <laughs> um, like a little wooden platform but it is like it's justified because it is um, sloping and then it's straight down that's but the you, only safety barrier we had the whole trip <laughs> yeah which was good and then you look down there's a place called the totem pole which is similar to something at West Cape Howe um, yeah where the climbers yeah, it's detached from the actual cliff and they sling a rope over. Yeah, I've seen that. It looks so cool, but scary. <laughs> yeah, just getting down to that point, I would just freak out. <laughs> I don't think I'd be able to get down there, but yeah, you got got the climbers that love that. And yeah, back the way we came and it was just beautiful. There was actually a couple had set up a little picnic on one of the little cliff edges. Mm -hmm. had olives and cheese and everything because this is actually a day walk that you can do you park at Fortescue Bay, which is where we finished, mm. and it's a day walk out towards Cape Hoy. And yeah, and a lot back. of people were doing that day walk that day. Yeah, did pass. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of groups, yeah. And um, and then that's sort of our final day. I got to walk so from the base of the Cape down to the finishing point down in Fortescue Bay. I sort of I basically walked all that on my own, um, just to, due to the spacing. And it's actually quite nice to have a bit Four of quiet. Terrace, really? Yeah, it was it was nice. Stopped a couple of times. I saw lots of um. Lots of skinks on the way. I was still looking out for the elusive echidna, which we did not see on this trip. No. But it, it was really nice. And there you come to the end and there's another sort of, um, there's like an end uh, installation like there was at the beginning, um, which matched it. But they had these abalone shells, giant abalone shells at the base. And it was really pretty. So you could take your, your finishing shot as well to match your start shot. Mm. See, mm. see how much weight you've lost or yeah. put on. <laughs> Looked out over Fortescue Beach, which is a really pretty turquoise um, Beautiful, and filled with it's kind of like if the carry forest was on the beach. That's how it kind of looked. Mm. Really beautiful. Yeah, really white. And this is where I got to introduce Mark to the giant Tasmanian seagulls, which, if you're not familiar with, they're about five to six times the size of the seagull that you see here. They're they're amazing. I think you were more impressed. Than this. <laughs> 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 I think they're really cool. Yeah. 
Anyway, yeah, we finished. We didn't actually finish on the beach because everyone was already waiting. They were good to go. Yeah, which I kind of felt a bit rushed. I was like, oh, I want to go get some shots of the beach mm. and like have a proper finish. But I kind of ran down to the beach, took a couple of shots, and then went back up to the bus. Yeah, mm. just get a wallaby in the process. Yeah. Yeah, and then that was it. That was our last day. Yeah. So that's the, that's the, three, the three capes. capes. Yeah. Three capes. So overall, if you guys could sum up your opinions of the, the track and your experience. Karis, I'll let you go first. Um, well, for someone who, again, is not a seasoned hiker and was, to be honest, quite unfit due to the interruptions to my training regime, um, it was good. It was doable. I mean, it was still a challenge for me, mm. but not something that I couldn't achieve. And likewise, you know, there was some... Um, people on our trip who were in their 60s and they found it quite manageable manageable as well so it's still still a challenge um for someone i think you know there were parts that even mark did find a little bit challenging if he'd been doing it at his regular pace not my super slow pace um but it was worth it for the views of those cliffs that you just you know you don't get sort of down here and um and yeah definitely um has opened my eyes to the possibility of more hiking trips like this in the future. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, you've got the, yeah. particularly doing it with via the lodge walk, you know, I didn't have to carry as much and, mm. um, you, you know, the food and all that's all taken care of. So, I mean, it is a high cost and not, not in everyone's price range, but it was, um, it made it, you know, for someone who, who's not as fit, it, it's a good way to do it. And Mark? I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'll have to say I would do this again but i wouldn't do the lodge walk i mean we're only doing it because of the generosity um, of your aunt and uncle but to pay the 550 dollars to just do the normal one is well worth it and i mm -hmm. think you get your money's worth especially if you get the guidebook as well um, to explain it but there's just the scenery there was just so varied and i can't believe that it was that varied. So you go from, you know, open plains to dry forest to wet forest to alpine cloud forest. To lakes filled with tadpoles. Yeah, lakes. Well, there's a, a tiny, tiny tarn um, on one of the cliffs. And then, yeah, just the the wow moments of Cape Pillar and doing the blade. I think it was well worth it. And we did get the best weather, I think, mm. for it. Uh, the was weather lucky. was unheard of, unheard of for that area. And um, I think also being lucky to be some of the first, you know, the, the track's so young. Um, so all the, the art and all the, you know, the board and the, everything, it's just so, um, it's new and fresh. So you are really experiencing the best of it um, mm. at the moment, yeah. Mm. And it makes you appreciate kind of, the money that went into it and the thought process as well whereas wa i think that's where we're lacking is not everything should be a three capes but it has a good range of free hikes which is the day hikes that you can go mm. in there's the, even the the free capes walk as some people yes. refer to it where there's a campground and you can do the two capes yeah i mean it's it's perfect and you can do the lodge walk which is again limited as well so it's not like you're going to be overcrowded and having to carry tents and worrying yeah. about your accommodation our group had 13 people in the max i think it was 14 mm. with three guides and then you can do the the all expenses paid lodge walk as well mm. which was run through the tasmanian walking company um, and our guide, Lauren, I think was... Yeah, she was amazing. She was a, a Tasmanian local, so she had a lot of knowledge just, you know, even though she was young, um, a lot of knowledge from her time and, and obviously was very interested in the wildlife and everything and sharing what Tasmania has to offer, mm. which was really nice. You know, mm. she was a local because on day one, she rocked up in... In the shorter short shorts. shorts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think as, as you, you point out, you know, not every hike needs to be the three capes, but... If you look at their six great bushwalks, they've got a really good range there. So they've got that, which is probably the most user-friendly. And they've got three hut walks that are all very different in terms of difficulty. And then they have three non-hut walks that are dif you know, different mm. levels of difficulty. So that's a really good mix of, of trails, whereas I think WA falls a bit behind in terms of this sort of you know the, the the suite of trails yeah i think we have this mentality that if we charge anything people are going to be shied away from that and i think that's the opposite like i would pay in wa to do a trail where there's no roads there's no four-wheel drive tracks yeah and you get the views i think fitzgerald river you could easily do that if you wanted to and i think that's probably the best candidate to have huts where you fly in everything and fly out because it's so remote anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's it's definitely 
an experience that you know if you re are really into bushwalking even if you're not into bushwalking it's quite manageable and yeah really does show off some of the best scenery in tassie yep awesome so thank you everyone for listening thank you karis for coming in thanks for having me and we'll be back in two weeks with the next episode um if you are enjoying the podcast uh you can rate us on itunes and if you have any questions or any suggestions for future episodes email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com thank you everyone for listening mm -hmm.